Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. After a glorious hour down the tubes trying to deal with whatever the hell Windows Update did to my machine, we are finally up and running. I think I mostly sound like myself. It, uh... It's that same thing that happens every time, and then every time it happens, I have to go digging through my archives to figure out which of the, like, 15 forum threads I followed is the one that actually got my computer fixed up. And finally, this time, I actually put a little, I bookmarked that joint, the right one, I wrote myself a little note, because inevitably, it's going to happen again, and uh, I'm going to want this fix to happen a little bit quicker. But we're uh, we're rolling now, the, the audio seems to be fine settings that got all jumbled I think are back in order and what did it do I don't know supposedly my windows is better now I don't know uh welcome to fantasy NBA today everybody I'm Dan Vespers it's Monday uh happy new week to you we will be in November by uh this time next week we are uh eight days out from a presidential election here and we might not be that much farther out from NBA the big news, of course, that dropped late Thursday night, early Friday morning, and because we had actually already recorded Friday's podcast, didn't have a, uh, an opportunity to slip that in there, is that the NBA and the Board of Governors and the Players Association are, at least they were as of Friday, and we haven't really seen anything over the last three days or so to change where we stand on this, is that there are discussions happening that would start a 72-game NBA season on December 22nd. And the ramifications of this are colossal. So let's try to go back and we'll talk a little bit about what apparently is leading to these discussions, which really came out of left field. I mean, this is way out of left field. And then we'll break down what it means from a fantasy standpoint, because to me, this is this rumor or whatever you want to call it right now. That, I mean, it's not a rumor if Shams is tweeting about it. Uh, this is this is one of the biggest pieces of NBA news that's broken probably since the pandemic started in March. You know, obviously, uh, league shutdown was huge plan for coming back. The bubble plan was a big one. But then we were always hovering in this weird in-between about what would come next. And now maybe we have a slightly better idea, although, you know, it doesn't sound like this is set in stone. And 
there was a stipulate. Not, I mean, it didn't seem like it was a hard stipulation, but it sounded like the the league was going to try really hard to give the teams eight weeks to get themselves in playing shape for a season. Meaning they would give them at least eight weeks notice before, hey, here's your opening day. Uh, and you know, the news du jour is that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks would be tomorrow. That would be tomorrow. So will we have news on that potential? Start by tomorrow? I don't know. Maybe we get told after players and and staff, but perhaps they've been told, hey, you know, this is your eight-week warning. We might actually do this. And I don't, beyond that, I don't know. Maybe if they run a a day or two late, they would start the season a day or two later, or they would just call it, you know, seven weeks and five days. This, of course, by the way, is a HoopBall presentation. Go to at HoopBallTweets on Twitter if you want to get all of this news long before my podcast comes out. Hoopball Fantasy, of course, is going to become a, a heavily relevant Twitter feed again here in the not-too-distant future. Perhaps really not-too-distant future. I am, of course, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our three partners here at Hoopball, Manscaped.com, MyBookie.ag, and expressvpn.com. I will be telling you about all three of those partners over the course of this podcast. And we're going to fire off today's show by telling you about our buddies at manscaped.com. We have just a few more days, five shows really this week, to get you guys a couple more Manscaped uh, units on the move. I probably shouldn't have used that word for uh, <laughs> for a product that is used on Below the Belt Grooming. But here, I've done it. That's what's happened now. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code HoopBall20. That'll get you 20% off and free shipping on your order. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the right tool for the job. It has skin safe technology. That's that pinch free action I've been telling you about in the show for the last couple months. Uh, a built in LED light, which is sort of, if you've used a sideburn trimmer, it's sort of just below the blades so that it's illuminating what you're trimming as you do it. It is waterproof. The battery lasts 90 minutes. So as I've joked about on the show, you can shave yourself and you can shave your whole family if you want to. 7,000 RPMs on the quiet stroke motor. It's just a, uh, it's a fantastic piece of technology. It has a charging dock if you want to use it that way. So you can just plop it back in that joint. Uh, it has a brush. It has different uh, length blades. All these things that are, uh, they're fantastic. And here's the key. How does it not pinch you? It's a ceramic blade. It's a ceramic blade. So it holds its edge longer, and it's less likely to nick. By the way, the replaceable blade actually works with the old model as well. So if you want to get the new blade, you can drop that into your lawnmower 2.0 if you already have one of those. But that's how it works. Instead of a metal blade that's going to blunt over time and really start to pinch and nick... Ceramic blade. They figured it out. They've also got the weed whacker, which is the ear and nose hair trimmer. They've got a luxury nail kit. They've got swag if you want to get some Manscaped shirts or boxers. My wife wears a Manscaped shirt as a uh, night shirt, which is a very funny thing to see wandering around the apartment. Uh, Go get it now. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOPBALL20. We want to move a couple more units here. Let's get a few off the shelves before the end of October. You can help us get to that point. So let's get back to the... Um, the question of this potential December 
start date? Um, I guess the first thing we have to say is, do we believe that this is an actual possibility? And I think the answer to that is, yeah, I do believe it. But just because I believe it doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. All I mean by that sentence is, is this a real possibility? And the answer is yes. If it's getting tweeted out by Shams or Woj, that means it has the potential to be real. Am I confident that it's going to happen? No. Um, I'd say there's about a 50-50 shot. But what I think we're finding out now is that there were factors that we didn't previously know about. The biggest of which is that while, and we've talked about this a bunch on the show, while the NBA and owners desperately want to get fans into the arenas, that's a a massive key to revenue, it's only half of the story. The other half of the story is getting 72 games on a regional sports network. Because some sports network is going to be paying a truckload for the rights to, and this year it was 72 games, and perhaps that's how they got to that 72 number for next year, 72 basketball games that they can sell advertising for. And viewership is far better for the NBA in November, December, January, than it is in July, August, and September. How much how much of a difference does that make? You guys probably saw the number, and if you didn't, $500 million for the league starting in January, or in uh, December, excuse me, as opposed to January or February. And I want to really let this settle in. Because we're talking about the difference of anywhere from four to seven weeks at the front end versus the back end. So that tells you, I think, a lot about what the 20-some-odd weeks that would overlap are worth. That's not even changing. If you start the, the season in December versus starting the season in January, about... Uh, 22 weeks of the season are probably going to over... Well, a little less than that if they're only playing 72 instead of 82 games. But let's let's say um, that uh, conservatively, let's call it like 20 weeks of overlap. And then four weeks on the front end as opposed to four weeks on the back end. If you started a 72-game season in December, that season would run about two and a half weeks shorter than the current season, which is just a shade under six months. Season this year started, or this last year started around October 20th. I think it was October 22nd and would have ended uh, April, what is it, 13th? 15th. I think it was April 15th would have been the last day. So it was basically one week under six months. If you took another 10 games off of that. Teams play roughly a game every other day, a little bit, a little tiny bit more often than that, I would say, uh, in general. So pull the last 15 to 20 days off the season. You're talking about a little more than a five-month season. So if you start a season in December of this year, 
five months from December 22nd would take you to January, February, March, April, May. Pretty easy when you start on the last month of the year. You can just count. You can just count. If you started a 72-game season in January, it would then, quite obviously, end probably towards the end of June. And if you started in February, it would end in July. So with the 72-game season, by saving roughly three weeks, a little bit less than that, at the end of the year, you do pull the playoffs a little bit closer. And you're able to work towards a more normal start time for the following year. And it speeds up the, uh, we talked about this on the podcast as well, it speeds up the return to normalcy. Where if you were trying to play all 82 games in a normal playoffs, you'd try to shave a week during the regular season, a week during the playoffs, a couple of weeks during the offseason, and you could probably shave off anywhere from a month to a month and a half as you work back towards an October start time. So if it started in January this year, They'd probably be targeting beginning of December, late November by the following year, and then back to normal by the year after that. A 72-game season allows you to expedite the return to normalcy. A 72-game season starting in December gets you ready for the Olympics, because that's been a big part of this puzzle that folks have talked about, is why would they make this, why would you rush it like that? Well, the Olympics are a reason and then we talked about that, that monetary difference. Having games in December, that span of December to January, as opposed to the June, or whatever you want to call it, is worth to the league hundreds of millions of dollars. That's how much more money they can make on TV revenue by having games in the fall-winter as opposed to the spring-summer. One month! We're talking about the difference of one month here. This isn't like half a year difference. This is just a month on the front end versus a month on the back end. That's a pretty big deal. So now NBA owners have to get together and say, well, what are the odds that we can pack a sold-out arena in May and June? My guess is if they could sell out their home games in May and June or whatever, you know, that, that those last four to five weeks of the year, if they could sell out their arenas, you could probably make an argument that those weeks would be better spent. But because of the uncertainty of the pandemic, of widespread vaccine use, and all the things that would go into allowing a packed 20,000-person arena... And I personally, I don't see that happening in May. Considering we've been told that the likelihood is, right now, and and I don't want to get too far down the COVID rabbit hole, but the latest information we have at our hands is that a vaccine is likely to be approved sometime around the turn of the year, sometime between December, early December and late January, seems to be the consensus is that it's going to be in that month and a half, two-month bubble, There's going to be some tens of millions of doses that are given to first responders, frontline workers, uh, and then it'll sort of trickle down to the, the general populace. But it sounds like the timeline on that is that the most important people, the most vulnerable, older folks, doctors, nurses, uh, 
people that are out there doing things that, that can't work from home, they'll start getting it in January or December, January, February, that type of range. But then it'll start getting to other people like kids, healthy, slightly older adults, and then it'll probably work to like that teenagers and <laughs> the folks that it sounds like are, are less vulnerable towards the middle to end of next year. And so if not everybody has that, and you know, hopefully once some people start to get the vaccine, that will mitigate spikes to some degree. But I just, with the information we have at our hands, I don't see how arenas, indoor facilities, will be packed in May and June. I think you'll have some people in them. I think you might have in arenas now what, you, I think you might have in arenas then what you have in outdoor facilities now, which is like pods. I don't know if you guys have been watching the World Series, but they've done a pretty good job of putting groups of four. You have a pod of four, and then, you know, six feet in each direction, you got other pods of four, and they're just spaced out over the ballpark, so they're at about 20-ish, 20 to 25% capacity. That's probably what you're looking at for indoor venues over the next five to six months. So now what you're seeing is that owners are, are sort of taking a step back and saying, here's, here's our decision. We can roll the dice, start the season a little bit later, hope that by June we can sell out a 20,000-person arena and get all that ticket revenue and all that in-stadium revenue. By the way, the ticket revenue is generally a very small fraction. You get parking fees. You've got uh, concessions. You've got merchandise. There's a million things that go on once you get somebody through the door to an actual NBA ball game. And if they got that, then they'd make more, that most likely, I think, than that $500 million. Because what, what did we say? Ten games um, for each team in the NBA which is 15, then uh, make sure I'm doing the math right on this. 10 games apiece, but you can't do all 30 teams because each team is playing one another, so you divide by two, so that's 150 games. 150 actual events occurring. There's 15 pairs 10 times. 150 games, events, to me, could pretty easily get you to $500 million. Each event needs to generate a little over $3 million. Oh, yeah. That's that's very doable. I mean, just from a, a standpoint, let's let's say $3 million. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting that wrong. Um, a little over $3 million. So what, what did we say it was? It was going to be $500 million. <laughs> We're doing this live on a podcast. That's great audio. Someone's going to listen back to this one day and say, that's how audio was supposed to be done. Uh, it's uh, 3.33. Sorry, I, I'm sure I could have done that math in my head, but whatever, I, I broke out the calculator. So it's $3.33 million per event. Most of these arenas seat about eighteen to 19,000 fans. So let's divide by uh, 18,500. That means that each fan needs to spend $180. Hmm... Do we think we can get there? I think so. Sure, a lot of the folks, I, you know, I wouldn't spend $180 on myself at a basketball game. I think if I, I bought a ticket to a game, it'd probably be like a $20 to, to $40 ticket. 
I'd probably spend another 20, 20 bucks maybe on food, maybe a little more. Am I drinking? 60 maybe, something like that, 60, 70 bucks on myself, and I'm probably one of the more affordable ones. I mean, some of the tickets down at the bottom, think about a, you know, I, I can't base it all on Lakers prices because it's not all going to be that high, but I can pretty much guarantee the Lakers are making more than, uh, than $3 million per event at their home ballpark. 180 bucks. I mean, some of the seats down at the bottom are, are going for eight to $10,000 just for the seat. It's pretty easy to hit those marks when you've got a handful of people spending that much, even if more people are spending less than 180 Anyway, we're getting sidetracked by goofball numbers here that really don't fully impact it. Basically, what, we, what you're seeing is the owners are looking at that number, and they're saying, can we get $180 out of uh, each person, or can we make $3.33 million per home event In May? The answer is probably no. Probably no. Because if they're operating at a quarter capacity, then each one of those people is going to have to spend $600 to $700. And that just ain't happening. Uh, you're not even, even maybe some of the, the fanciest places, like again, Lakers, they're I'm sure making a ton of money on those those lower bowl seats and you know, the Clippers are a, a much more expensive draw these days, and I'm sure the the Celtics are probably a pretty expensive draw. But there are too many teams in the NBA where, you know, you can get a ticket for $11 and get food for $15. you are not getting to that number. And and that's assuming they have anyone in the arena. So there's, there's a lot of risk involved in that, and I think the owners are probably taking a tack similar to what we do in our fantasy drafts, which is, look, let's just not, let's just not screw this up. They're thinking of it that way. They're like, look, if we can get this season started December 22nd, we can lock in that extra, that 500 mil on the front end. Sure, maybe we could make 600 mil on the back end if everything goes perfectly and we can pack our arena. Maybe we could make 700 mil. But there's an equal or perhaps even greater probability that we end up with partial arenas making 100 mill on that back end 200 is it worth it uncertainty is very very scary for extraordinarily wealthy people that is i mean they'll they'll lock in that tv revenue that's not going anywhere once they're once it's going it's going all they got to do at that point is make sure the games happen anything on top of that is gravy so as I look at this this news, it's most likely ownership and pro Olympics folks th- saying, "Look, this is how we keep our salary cap higher. This is how we continue to be able to pay our players. This is how we lock in a known quantity and not have uncertainty." And I think they can. I, that's a pretty good sales pitch to the players as well, to the players' association. Say, look. We can lock in this TV revenue. We can, we can keep the salary cap higher. We can let you guys know right now in December, look, like we're not dropping below this mark because we are able to get this winter TV dollar, which is a bigger one than the spring and summer TV dollar. So that, I think, 
I think, and this is, again, this is all reading the tea leaves and thinking about it from a money standpoint. This seems like what's making this big push. What would be making the big push the other way are effectively the teams that made it as far as the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So the Lakers, the Heat, the Nuggets, and the Celtics saying, you bleeping kidding me? We just stopped playing. We, I mean, we're a week and a half, two weeks into our offseason right now. We're two weeks into our offseason. You're telling us this is the eight-week marker? You're playing again? You're telling us we're not even going to have three months off? Ten weeks is what we get off before we start a whole regular... Now, I mean, look, I get it. It's not 82, but 72 is a crap ton of regular season games. You're going to see those teams that went deep into the bubble playoffs just cooked in the regular season next year. And under a lot of circumstances, I would say four teams, four teams, how are they going to drive this? Well, one of those four teams has LeBron James. He happens to have a lot of negotiating power because he's the most powerful commodity in the NBA. He's the draw. He's the big draw. If he says, I can't do it, they might just have to listen. But at the same time, there's, honestly, that's a ton of money. And, you know, even the best of the best of the best, even those with the strongest voices, have to think about what it means for a lot of the other folks in the NBA. There was a tweet that came out early this morning uh, talking about how because there is all this uncertainty and there is now this growing sense that maybe they will be targeting around Christmas, that they're free agents that already have agreements in place. They can't announce them yet because no one knows when free agency is. But look, I, you know, this we're in an era where people can talk, even if it's not technically legal. I'm sure there's texting going on or WhatsApping, and they can wipe it all. Or, but once we get these dates set, things are going to pick up speed fast. What do I actually think is going to happen might be the best way to end this first part of the show, and then we'll we'll branch into the, the fantasy ramifications of all of this. What do I think is going to happen? Um, I think that might happen. I'm starting to think, even kind of after talking through it out loud, that the, the, the certainty, the... the, the locked-in funds that could be generated by this earlier start date, they, they kind of make more sense than rolling the dice on fans in the arenas, especially as we're getting into another potential spike. There's all this stuff that would, that would drag them to decide that this is the best way to go. And so I'm, I'm thinking now after seeing this rumor, and, and when I first saw it, I was like, nah, come on, that's, that's crazy. That's way too fast. I'm starting to think that it might actually happen. Everybody wants to know where they're going to be. Everybody wants to know when they're going to start. And um, this would make a lot of sense for, for a lot of parties involved. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, this is, this is a cluster mess. It's the, the good news, of course, is that the earlier we can get some basketball, the earlier we can have some actual fantasy stuff going on. And I've desperately met, we have a regular season fantasy relevant game since March 11th, which is crushing me. We're at seven and a half months. We've been doing a podcast of, on, this is a full season fantasy podcast, and we've done a lot on, on sports betting in here to sort of while away the hours, because that's fun too, and we made some money. But, oh, I mean, 
good lord, we desperately, we, we so badly need a fantasy game to happen. That That's, of course, part of the good news. The other part of the good news is that uh, we have a team at HoopBall that'll break down all of this stuff so damn well. And, like, you guys know the Brewski 150. If no one has any time to prepare, those that are fastest and have this this sort of built-in... I don't call it an algorithm because Brew's not a computer, but a a way of analyzing things, it actually most likely gives Aaron Brewski's B-150 a larger advantage than he would have had under normal circumstances because he can do faster. He can get his list together, uh, which, you know, normal... That's like a 400-hour deep dive. He'll get that done where other people might simply not have the the resources to get their own lists right. So there's a, there's actually an opportunity in here, in the chaos, for HoopBall to dominate even harder. For those of us who are commissioners of a lot of leagues, though, we're looking at it from the, oh my God, standpoint, which is many leagues lose players in the offseason. You have dynasty leagues. You have keeper leagues that are all going to get zip together i mean like what if we what if nba free agency by the way i thought it was going to be december 1st and if they're trying to start on the 22nd they might have to move free agency a tiny bit sooner you might see the draft on the 18th and then free agency on the 25th depending on how this thing shakes out although i think that might be like the day before thanksgiving so maybe they'll go they'll go black friday and then nba free agency or something like that uh trying to figure out who the keepers are trying to figure out who all the the dynasty players are you got to have your dynasty draft it's gonna be it's gonna be a sprint and every think about a normal year a normal year free agency is july 1st or july 4th if you want to talk about the moratorium and all that stuff and then the season starts three months later you have three months to process free agents and get all that logistical stuff worked out and then usually people are having fantasy drafts for about two months leading up to opening day um i try to make sure that all my leagues have drafts within the final roughly three weeks before the nba season starts but i know a lot of folks have their drafts four five six seven weeks out just to get everything settled in uh every single league now is going to be ramming their drafts in in a three-week window it's going to be chaos. We're all going to have, we're almost going to have no, I'm in, I think, five money leagues now, which to me is is more than enough. I got enough going on on the analysis side that I don't need to be worried about that many different leagues. I like to be able to really laser focus on the ones I'm in. There are folks that are in 10, 15 leagues. You're going to have multiple drafts happening at the same time. It is unquestioned at this point you will have multiple drafts happening simultaneously this is going to be potentially the biggest hard mess of a fantasy draft season that we will ever have and you know what you know what i say to that bring it on let's do this damn thing let's start the the freaking season in under two months from now let's do it i am tired of not having fantasy basketball i loved the playoffs i loved seeing my lakers win but I am damn tired of not having fantasy basketball. I need it. By the way, 72-game shortened season, getting off to a fast start, even more important than usual. 
tomorrow's podcast, we will break down some of our longest held tenets of fantasy draft season and how they might change in a 72 game season, especially if there is this sprint, if there is this sprint leading up to opening night. Uh, quickly, by the way, before we wrap things up, I want to tell you guys what's going on over at mybookie.ag. They're running a Halloween promotion this week. They're calling it mybookie.ag. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I would love to take credit for that, but that is right there on their website. And that means that every day all week, they're actually running promos in their casino, which is super fun. I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to dive on into their games section, I know we've mostly talked about their actual sports betting, but they have spooky season going on at mybookie.ag all week long between today uh, and November 1st. So it'll actually go into the day after Halloween. They're going to have uh, a weekly blackjack tournament that's a free entry with $10,000 in prizes, a daily $1,000 tournament. Uh, so you'll have seven of those, 100 winners of those every single day. The 100 winners split the 1000 Um there are going to be $6,000 flash Halloween tournaments with 50 winners every four hours. They're going to have free spins on their various spinning games, free chips, daily bonuses, tournaments. It's really cool. Uh, I don't think you even need to... Uh, maybe I shouldn't put this as part of the read because I'm sure they'd rather you deposit some money. I don't think you even need to deposit any money into your account to play some of these... Uh, free things they got going on but even if you do you could put 50 bucks in with promo code hoopball play in all of these tournaments that are free to enter maybe you win 20 30 50 bucks maybe you win the blackjack tournament and win a thousand bucks and then cash out cash out your a thousand and your 50 or screw it cash out 900 and bet with the other 150 dollars i don't care what you do at that point but these are free entry tournaments uh blackjack spins things like that where you can win actual real U.S. dollars without having to pay to enter them. That's all at mybookie.ag. It's all week long. So get started today so you have an opportunity to get in on all seven days of sweet, sweet promos. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code is hoopball. You can go to mybookie.ag slash spooky season, spooky S-Z-N, and learn more about this sweet promo happening all week long. I am Dan Baspers. This was Fantasy NBA Today. Again, we'll talk more about the fantasy ramifications of what might be happening here as the NBA maybe rounds a corner towards a December late start time and a 72-game season. By the way, I think they're probably going 72 games no matter when they start. I don't think you start later and add more games. Uh, again, a way to shave three weeks off of their regular season and start moving back towards the October start time. they got to get back to that October start time. There's way too much TV money on the line. So uh, you heard that part here. I think that part's pretty much locked in stone, and we're waiting on the uh, the starting date. So tomorrow's show again, we'll talk about what a 72-game season would mean for fantasy and how we will adjust our strategy. For now, have a wonderful rest of your Monday, uh, and let's hope maybe we'll have basketball back in under two months. Uh, I'm Dan Baspers. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This was a hoopball presentation. Hasta mañana. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.